Thank you for joining us for this podcast from New Destiny Christian Center. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Jeanette De Silva. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com. Welcome back, New Destiny Christian Center. Um, we are talking about four understandings that you need to have regarding the end times. This is the, the third of a three-part podcast. Just to review a little bit, in the first one, we talked about how God explains the end from the beginning. We looked at the story of Noah and the ark and what it looked like during those times leading up to God's wrath of the flood. Uh, we talked a little bit about Lot and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and what was going on, very similar um, with the evil and the sin that God took judgment on. So, and then in the second podcast, we looked at how, you know, God had a plan A, which was his, his people, his chosen people, which were the Jewish people, which are the Jewish people. They are still his chosen people. But we looked at how his plan A was for them to um, be a, a, a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests, and to reveal God to the surrounding nations. But because of their disobedience, God had to throw in a plan B, right? Plan B was that he was going to use the Gentiles and the church, the, uh, the, the church age, which started at the day of Pentecost. It started with some Jewish um, disciples, but it ended up going into the Gentiles, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, revealing God to the world. And like I said in the prior podcast, God will have his way. He will make his name known. So in plan B, we were looking at the church age being that um, the people that spread the word of God. So now what we're going to look at now, and we're going to look at the literal rapture. There is a literal rapture of the church, right? Right up to the time um, at the end of the church age when that last person has been saved. And I've always wondered who's going to be that last person who gets saved. Because like we talked about, there has to be a certain number um, of people of salvations before Jesus returns to this earth. So I've always wondered who is going to be that last person. But anyway, we're waiting on you. <laughs> no pressure. But anyway, um, after that point, there will be a literal rapture. So what is the rapture of the church? When the church age ends and Jesus returns in the air to receive the church unto himself, what does that mean? Okay. Some religious believers dismiss the rapture and don't believe it will happen at all. Others believe in different times like pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pan-trib. Many believe it won't happen at all or it will happen at some point after the tribulation because they see it as a type of cop-out right? And they believe Christians shouldn't look to escape the tribulation. So there are many people who don't even acknowledge that there is a rapture because they don't think that we should, you know, tr be trying to get out of the tribulation. But I don't know about you, but, you know, if, if God's telling me I'm offering you a way of escape, I'm going to take it. If you want to stay here and live through those tribulation times and deal with all that wrath because anything that we've experienced in this world is nothing compared to what's going to be taking place on this earth during that time of wrath. It'll be like nothing anybody has ever seen. So I'm telling you, even the church will not escape tribulations, though. 
because like I spoke about in, in the previous podcast, you know, we're going through this time of the COVID-19 and this pandemic, but over time, over the years, we're going to see more and more things happening. We're going to be living through more and more things. So we are going to experience some tribulations like we've never experienced before. The birth pain, so to speak, will increase and become more and more intense, just as every woman who has ever given labor can attest to. We are currently living in a time leading up to the end of the church age, and we will live through tribulations. But scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. Some religious believers say that the word rapture isn't even found in the Bible. The word rapture comes from the Latin verb rapamur, which means to seize, snatch, carry away. This is the same meaning of the Greek word harpezo, which is found in scripture in the New Testament. It appears in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 and means snatch, caught up, take away. Elsewhere in scripture, it is used to describe how the spirit caught up Philip near Gaza and brought him to Caesarea. That's found in Acts 8.39. And to describe Paul's experience of being caught up into the third heaven, found in 2 Corinthians 12.2-4. And John 14 references the rapture. Receive you to myself in Matthew 24, 40, and 1 John 3, 2, as well as 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52, all speak of rapture, okay? So there is no doubt that the word is used in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 to indicate the actual removal of people from earth to heaven. So like I said, um, it is found in the word, the word um, rapamur, which means to seize, snatch, carry away. And it's also the same meaning of the Greek word harpezo. So it's like having two different, two or three different words that mean the same thing, all right? Uh, it's common today, you know. I've used the example before. We have the word song. We have the word little ditty. I like to joke with some people in the church um, who have different, uh, that they have a different language because they don't always recognize the words that we're using because there can be several words for the same meaning. And that's what you find when you look at the scripture in regards to the word rapture. All right. The rapture means no death. It's instantaneous. First Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. It's a transformation. We receive a brand new perfected body. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. It will be a rescue operation. We are delivered from the wrath to come, which is the tribulation period. All right, so there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. All right, the rapture, Jesus comes down into the heavens. He doesn't actually put his feet on the ground, right? He meets us in the air. Those that are, that, those that are raptured are caught up to him. He's in the air. He doesn't touch his feet on the ground. And the second coming is when he will actually walk into Jerusalem, there is a, the eastern gate that is completely sealed, he will walk, he will, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I would love to be there, I have always wanted to be there when Jesus 
does his triumphal entry back into the city of Jerusalem. And I'm sure he's going to just somehow destroy that gate, walk through that gate, and display his kingdom and his authority. And I've always wanted to be there. But that is the second coming, all right? He will be actually on the earth. So we talked about Enoch a little earlier, right? Enoch had a solo rapture. He was kind of the first one that demonstrates what the rapture is going to look like. Genesis 5:24, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. This is an example of how we are to live as last day believers. Enoch walked with God. So that as believers of this day and age is what and how we are supposed to live. We are to be walking with God in holiness and righteousness and living and uh, living a submitted life to God and reaching others for Jesus. So at the end of the church age, when the last person submits his or her will and gives their life to Jesus, at that moment, the church age will end and Jesus will return in the air and will rapture his church and we will be taken to heaven. The Bible says it will happen in a twinkling of an eye so quickly we will be received we will receive transformed bodies no more pain no more deformity no more disability right and that dreadful seven-year period that will play out on this earth will follow that and the ones that are left behind will live through that seven-year tribulation period all right so the good news is that we are not going to if you're a believer and if you are submitted to god we are not going to have to live through that, that final wrath of God, that tribulation period. But what happens after the rapture? Okay. A lot of that we don't, you know, there's a lot of different ideas. We, we're not for sure because, like I said, it's kind of a, a future thing. Um, but I, I kind of lean toward that two events trigger all the problems you see in tribulation, Right. First is the war of Gog and Magog. The Bible does talk about that. Um, it's a major prophetic event. Ezekiel 38, 39 um, speaks of that, um, Gog and Magog, and it really looks at um, the, the countries that are directly to the north of Israel, which is Russia, um, and, and, and it lists some, different, some other countries that are going to play into that as well. So like I said, one of the biggest things that's going to trigger that tribulation event is the war of Gog and Magog. The second um, event that is going to trigger that tribulation period is the rapture of the church. Don't know when all the timing is around that, if the war of Gog and Magog is you know, right after the rapture. Um, it could be. I'm not sure exactly about the timing of all that. But it will be complete chaos at that time. So Jerusalem will be at the center of the conflicts of the world. This little nation, tiny little nation, is at the center of all the conflicts in the world. If you look at it over the years, they've always been the, the center of the conflicts in the world, and they've always had you know so many nations against them. But they are still a nation today. They have outlived, they have survived, and they are stronger than ever before. Um, everything that the Bible has said about Jeru Jerusalem has been fulfilled. Israel will be scattered. Israel will be regathered. Israel will regain the city of Jerusalem. Israel will be isolated from the other nations of the world. Israel will be attacked by a nation to the north. 
okay? So the, those first few things, scattered, regathered, and the return of the city of Jerusalem, those have all definitely happened. Now, I do believe that Israel is being isolated from other nations of the world currently, and at some time in the future, Israel will be attacked by a nation to the north. That is prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. So if you're looking at the timeline events in regards to the last day, um, a lot of those prophetic events have already occurred and are currently occurring with one left to be to take place. All right, so Magog and allies. It is believed by many that Magog is the modern-day Russia, as I said. Jacob had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Magog was the second son of Japheth, who, according to the ancient Jewish historian Josephus, settled north of the Black Sea. Tubal and Meshech were the fifth and sixth sons of Japheth. These tribes intermarried and became known as Magog. So that's where Gog and Magog come from. They settled to the north of Israel. To the extreme north of Israel today is the powerful nation of Russia. The allies, which are Ethiopia, which are modern-day Sudan, Libya, it's still Libya today, Persia is modern Iran today. Persia, Persia just changed their name to Iran March 21st, 1935. All right, it hasn't been Persia for, or it hasn't been Iran for that long. These are all anti-Israel. Iran has recently become an ally of Russia. So if you're looking at the news um, and the things that are going on today and then in the countries surrounding Israel, you see a lot of this kind of lining up. Um, there's a lot of things going on and, and, and coming into play with these nations that the Bible spoke of and said these are the ones that are going to be gathering against Jerusalem in those final days. You start, you're starting to see them line up and, and form those allies when they haven't previously been formed. So when Magog and her allies attack Israel, God is going to step in and utterly destroy Russia and the armies of the allies as well. Israel will give glory to God. Israel is not turned to God now. Israel is a very secular nation. Um, I was over there, and it, it truly is. There, I think from, from you know, the, the people we spoke to over there, currently the Arab Christians are the fastest-growing population. Um, the Jewish people, you have the very um, uh, devout Jewish people, um, and then most of the regular Israeli people, the Jewish people, are very secular. They're not looking for God. They're not, you know, it's, their eyes are completely blinded. Um, but they, there will a start a revival in Israel at this time. So like I said before, the seven-year tribulation period is a time for God to deal with the people of Israel. And once all of these things start happening to Jerusalem and um, Gog and Magog, the war of Gog and Magog, and everything starts just coming against them. God is using that to open the eyes of the Jewish people. All right, and none of this can happen until the full time of the church has come to a close. So you think about it, you take away the church, you know, when, once the rapture happens, you take away the body of Christ. The body of Christ currently in the world is the, is the force, I believe, that is holding back all the demonic spirits and all the demonic armies that once the, the, the body of Christ is removed, 
you know, Satan will have free run and there will be so much tremendous chaos and assault going on in Israel that Israel will turn to God. Their eyes will be open and they will repent. But none of this can happen, like I said, until the church ages is completed. Then the spirit of God will be poured out on the Jews. God has to first wrap things up with the church And when the last ones come to salvation, the rapture of the church will take place. Removal of the restraining force that's in the world today, which, like I said, is called the church. When that is gone, evil will spread extremely rapidly. So there's some other things that have to go on. Like I said before, there is a whole lot that goes even into that seven-year tribulation period. Um, It's kind of divided up into three sections. Um, There's... You know, in the Bible, the the word says, uh, scripture says that a treaty has to be signed by many. And Daniel 9.27, that begins the seven-year tribulation. The Antichrist um, signs a covenant for seven years. So during this time, there will be somebody who rises up who is a great man of peace because Israel and Jerusalem is all in, in complete chaos and everything's going on and the nations are coming against Israel and there will be someone who rises up and, you know, kind of fakes everybody out and is a man of peace, and everybody's just looking to this person, and he signs a seven-year treaty with the nation of Israel, and this event is what triggers the seven-year tribulation period, all right? It says the ruler, in in Daniel 9.27, says the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half of this time, He will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So the rise of the Antichrist to bring bring peace and restoration to the country of, of Israel, but ultimately will commit the great abomination and place himself in the Jewish temple, declaring himself God. And then after that, there's, you know, the first part of the tribulation seems pretty great and peaceful, and you've got this man of God, or this man who, you know, declares that, you know, he is bringing peace and that he's making everything. There's even, you know, things that point that he's going to help build the, uh, the temple, the third temple, you know, and, and the Jewish people are going to look to him, you know, as like the great man of peace. But ultimately, he will turn, and he, his true nation uh, nature will be revealed, and he will commit the abomination. And then after that, there will be a three-year period of just horrendous death and destruction. But during all of that time, God is using that time to open the eyes of the Jewish people. So there is a lot more that goes into that whole seven-year tribulation period. But thankfully, we will not have to be there. We will be rescued from the wrath that is coming. So people of God, you know, be aware. Look at the signs. You know, there's a lot of signs going on right now. We are at the end time. So be living with purpose. Be living knowing that this is our time to do what we can to, to reach out, to save souls, and to rescue others from that intended wrath of God. So that is just a little bit 
of the overview of the whole end times events. There is a lot more that goes into that, and you know it, it would take a long time to cover all of it, but that's kind of an overview. So it's been a blessing to share. It's been a blessing to share all this information with you, and I encourage you, study it out. Read it for yourself. The Bible says, blessed is he who reads the book of Revelation. Read it. Um, it is, it's completely, a lot of people stay away from it because it's, it's difficult or you may not understand it, but ask God, show me, give me understanding and then show me what I am to do during this time. You've placed me here for a reason. God, show me and give me the power and give me the ability to be a voice and a hand for you in this generation. God bless you. I love you. And I hope to see you soon. Miss you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this teaching by Jeanette De Silva of New Destiny Christian Center. Please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.